0: But just as a reminder, not live. Uh, if something comes up or whatever, just pause. No worries.
1: Perfect. I'm gonna just silence everything here, and then I'm gonna put you on the big monitor so I can actually see you.
0: Big monitor. I oh, feel yeah. like that's too much pressure. No, no, no. a it with a tiny little camp light? So I don't know how big you want to see me.
1: Oh no, you're you're perfect right there. <laughs> I'm just gonna just cause like I have my uh, my stupid little webcam over like not in front of my computer so i can actually see you so uh, anyway,
0: i appreciate it well i appreciate you being here um and, and also i always tell everyone just a rem- reminder we see each other but we're not recording the video so it doesn't exist okay. maybe someday in the future but for now my closet's my business and <laughs> all of the people that i talk to on this video chat
1: perfect perfect perfect
0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee podcast. Today's interview is with North County San Diego roaster, Danny Iverson. He is the founder and head roaster at Iverson Coffee Roasters. Danny is the perfect guest to have on after Cheryl Gildner of Renegade Roaster Design Group last week, because the way he talks about the relationship he has with his roasters perfectly encapsulates what she and I were talking about when it comes to the people who roast and how much the machines they roast on are an extension of themselves. I learned about Iverson Coffee Roasters when a friend sent me a bag of his coffee as a gift. It was truly fantastic. And when I was planning the season, I asked her what she could tell me about the man behind the brand. She said, and I quote, "'Well, he's probably the nicest guy ever, "'and his coffee is really, really good.'" She was right on both counts. So take a second to make sure your coffee mug is full because it's time for this week's interview with Danny Iverson of Iverson Coffee Roasters. So, (laughs) Danny Iverson, Iverson Coffee, welcome to the Roast West Coast podcast. I actually had to pause there and think about which show I was recording today, because I think I have too many titles floating around in my brain. Let's forget about coffee, just to start out. Who are you? Uh, for anyone listening that has never heard of Iverson Coffee, who is Danny Iverson?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Who am I? <laughs> um, well, I'm a father of two, and uh, I have two great kids, Brielle and Cameron. Brielle just turned three, and Cam is turning one this week.
0: Wow! Congratulations.
1: Thank you very much. I have an amazing wife, and uh, I actually am a producer of a, another podcast. I produced the Brian Buffini Show.
0: Yeah, very intimidating.
1: Oh come on! It's nothing like this, right? I've listened to that show. We to talk about show. coffee. <laughs>
0: yeah, I get guests like you, and you get guests like Matthew McConaughey. No offense. Hey, but... hey, hey, you know it's all right. <laughs> that's, that's not
1: me. That's not me. So yeah. Anyways, so yeah, um, I I love coffee. I love rock climbing, and and yeah, those those are probably family. Rock climbing and and coffee. Those are the three, man.
0: Those are the three, and you have this company that you started, Iverson Coffee. I'm wondering what was your first experience with coffee? What, what inspired you to say, this is something more than just, you know, a, a cup of warm liquid I'm going to have in the morning or, you know, took you to that next level?
1: That's a great question. So I started drinking coffee as most people do with uh, mostly cream and sugar and a little bit of coffee. And I went away to a school for, for one semester for college. And the guy across the hall from me he had a little popcorn popper in his dorm and was roasting coffee in the dorm on move-in day. And I, was, I saw that and I was like, what are you doing? That's so cool. It smelled amazing. And uh, he's like, here, let me, let me make you a cup. And it was a Costa Rican Roja. It tasted like red cherries and bright and there was chocolate. And uh, it, it just changed my view of coffee. At that point, I knew it was something that didn't need anything else if it was prepared properly. And, We've come a long way since the popcorn popper, but it's a great way to start.
0: <laughs> That's pretty incredible that on the first day of college, somebody was already doing that. I, I didn't even start drinking coffee until I was, I think, 31. Mm. And mm. I'm a little bit older than that, but not, my coffee journey has been very compact, very quick. But to think that somebody at that age was already thinking beyond, you know, diner coffee or hangover coffee is pretty impressive. Y-
1: yeah, he was he was a whiz kid. Like, uh, <laughs> he, he was amazing. He was the one who basically started the dream of the coffee business with me. And what we did was we actually started selling coffee probably two weeks into the semester, right? And we would roast the coffee and then sell it to anyone who would, who'd want to come and drink a cup of coffee, basically a great way to meet people. And that was a big part of what coffee was for me was a community. And uh, we started getting connected with anyone and everyone on campus. They found out there are two guys making coffee in their room and, uh, it kind of, we got shut down after that, but, uh, it became a donation based. Sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's where the the business started was in the dorm.
0: I would think that selling coffee out of the room is a lot better than some of the other things being sold out of rooms <laughs> on <Right>. most, <laughs> most college campuses. So then, so you started doing that then, at what point did you say, screw this guy, I'm cutting him out. I'm going to start roasting my own and uh i'm what's the origin story of iverson
1: coffee well so it started there and um i actually dropped out of school um after that semester i didn't want to take on all the debt because i had a solid job coming back so the same job i'm doing now is i've been working for the same company um ever since then so i've been with them 9 years total oh wow so i had had a great job
0: <laughs> yeah that doesn't happen very often to people you know in in this new generation i mean i mm-hmm. came out of college in the early early mid 2005, 2004 sometime. And they're just the idea that I would have stayed in one job this whole time is just, is, is crazy to me.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it was a, I didn't never stayed in the same position in the company, but it was, it was always like I, I directed events for a long time when, when events were a thing, live events, <laughs> ran presentations and stuff like that. And then once I had kids, I actually decided to get off the road because I didn't want to travel having two young kids. So anyways, but that, I, I digress from yeah. from Iverson. So yeah, then when I left school, I was like, okay, I have to find a way to roast coffee. And I saw that there was, you know, other options other than a popcorn popper. And there was this little thing called the Be More 1600, a little tabletop roaster that looks like a toaster oven. And that's where I got started with roasting coffee on my own. Um, it started as Matt Coffee Roasters, M-A-T-T-E thinking like the matte finish of a coffee, right? Because you look at a lot of coffees at the time, super dark roasted, shiny, oily. And the idea was to keep the the oils inside the coffee, give it that matte finish and let the coffee shine in the cup and (laughs) instead of on the surface of the bean.
0: It's funny how it's reversed that shiny oil makes for really nice like photographs sometimes, but maybe not so much in the flavor of your coffee in the morning.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So I started roasting on that Be More 1600. And then through a couple of connections, someone said, Hey, like, uh, we're actually going to go and I'm going to help this company Booze Brothers brew their beer on Saturday morning. And I was like, Oh, that's super cool. And he's like, Oh, do you want to come? I was like, sure. Why not? Like, I'll, I'll bring my coffee and uh, we'll just make the guys some coffee when they're brewing. And, uh, Little did I know that that was the start of the bulk of my business, which is uh, doing collaborations with breweries. I made them coffee that morning and they're like, "Whoa, oh, this is this is not bad. And they they were saying, hey, we have a coffee stout that we're going to be brewing here. Do you want to do coffee with that? And one thing led to another. And uh, there was a stout called the Sun Up Stout at Booze Brothers. That was one of their original core core beers. That was back when they had five beers on tap. And now they have multiple locations and all this stuff, but it's, it's pretty fun.
0: That's uh, I wonder, um, going back, I'm, I, it's likely that I would have tried some of your coffee if it was there at booze brothers or some of that beer, because I've actually brewed beer at booze brothers as well. No way. (laughs) Yeah. So I used to be in the craft beer business and we made a custom beer for the business, uh, the restaurant that I was running and I brought my entire staff uh, on multiple occasions. Uh, at Booze Brothers and uh, we brewed beer there and we'd have cold brew in the morning that they'd have on draft or we'd make coffee there while we were brewing. And so it's just, it's very coincidental that in all of these phases of life, we might've been interacting without even realizing
1: it. That is so funny. That is so funny.
0: Yeah. That's something I love about coffee and about beer. You mentioned like on campus, when you first got started, that's how you started meeting people. And that's really how, how I feel about coffee. You know, my first coffee experience I just asked, you know, what should I try? This is the first time I'm drinking coffee. And the next thing I knew, there's a half a dozen people like shouting different directions at me about what to do. <laughs> and that, that kind of started me down a path. So the next step after you have this Bmore More roaster and you start roasting on your own is, and, and you're brewing with Booze Brothers and you start this brewery collab, where does it go from there?
1: Well, it started with the, you know, roasting on the Bmore, More, like you said, and they were like, okay, cool. Let's do a collab uh, we're going to need 60 pounds of coffee from you.
0: <laughs> and the be more roaster does how many pounds at a time?
1: It's, it's generous to call it a one pound roaster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, for those familiar with roasting coffee, um, this'll you know, give you a hard time, but a single roast on a be more would take 25 minutes just because it was so underpowered, a a standard roast, you're looking at anywhere between seven minutes to 11 minutes, 50 seconds. That's like a a good wide range, but anywhere in there is a standard, standard roast. And so you're looking at, you know, tripling that almost. (laughs) And so it's just, it was very time consuming and did 60 pounds in one weekend on that little B more. So that would have been um, over, let's see, probably about 70 batches. So you can, do the math on that. I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, my, uh, my wife was very, very, uh, very gracious in letting me pursue that. Cause that's a big chunk out of, out of the weekends when those would happen. So I went from doing one B more to saying, okay, this is not enough. Uh, then I purchased a second B more. So I was dual wielding the B more roasters. And, uh, again, that can only go so far. You can only do so much. Um, you have very little control over the roast on those machines. And it got to the point where I was getting more and more, uh, friends and family wanting to buy coffee. And I found on, uh, eBay, I found a roaster an Ambex YM2. So that is a two kilo roaster, um, made down in Florida. Uh, shout out to Paul Ribich. He was the man. I bought it broken. Okay, so wasn't working, didn't have the parts. And I called up Paul, who is the uh, guy from Roaster Dynamics, and he's the one who built the Ambex. And so he walked me through replacing all the valves, replacing all the wiring, um, adding a potentiometer so I can control the gas with a knob and doing all this stuff. And he helped me bring this thing to life. And uh, so I, I learned the ins and outs of that roaster and uh, was my little franken roaster and limped along for probably what I bought it in twenty fifteen so it'd be six years six years with that thing and uh yeah so that that's that was how we jumped there and then actually as of a month ago, I actually sold that roaster
0: Congratulations on eBay uh
1: no no in person <laughs> in, <laughs> in person, person I feel it like- was a,
0: A lot of stories I hear from roasters is how they got their first roaster off eBay and then they immediately had to learn a whole bunch of like repair work and and mechanicals.
1: Yes, typically they're not maintained very well and you're buying it sight unseen. Mm -hmm. And so I was very, very thankful to Paul for his help. I I definitely wouldn't be even here if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't still be roasting probably because it would have frustrated me so much. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, it's so that then uh, ended up um, and I'll tell you, I got a new roaster, right? So I got the San Franciscan Six. Now that's that's been my dream roaster to roast on. Um, it all started, let's see, it would have been 2015 about when I got my Ambex. I started working with Bodhi uh, Coffee Traders. Shout out to Tim Paula; He's the best. Love that dude. And so I would go up and they would put on cuppings for me. And in the corner of the showroom was this gorgeous SF6 like just beautiful. It's got the hand shaped, you know, brass plating on the outside. And you've seen San Franciscans, they're just gorgeous machines, just gorgeous. And I was like, someday I want to roast on an SF six. Someday I want to roast on an SF six. And every time I'd go up there, I'd look over at that roaster and be like, someday I'm going to roast on an SF six. And I got a call in January this year from Tim saying, Hey, do you know of anyone who wants to buy a San Franciscan (laughs) six? So today I roast on the exact same roaster that I saw six years ago and have been one. It gives me chills just like thinking about it. It's like the, the dream is now here, you know, and that's just, it's so exciting for me to have that now as a part of my, my roastery.
0: That's such a cool story. Was it just the opportunity or did it feel like it was also kind of serendipitous that it was time for you to grow into to this new machine?
1: You know, it, it, I've been, I had, I roast on Monday nights at eight o'clock just because my kids schedule, right. I don't want to be, um, away from them more than I have to. So as soon as I put them to bed, I go out to the shed and I start, start roasting. And I was, I've started doing more and more collaborations, uh, uh as I dropped off a beer for you, we have a little daughter in the Grizzlies from Mason Aleworks, huge shout out to them. And James Owen, he is the man. Anyways, so I've started doing a lot more beer collaborations, especially with them, where I would be roasting until two in the morning on a regular basis, whether it be orders for regular customers or whether it would be these brewery collabs. And it got to the point where I was like, I just can't be roasting until 2 a.m. every Monday night. And so I needed to scale up. And so the SF6 doubled my production essentially. Um, And so now I'm able to do those and only be roasting until 11 o'clock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, that's impressive to me because I my eyes start to like tilt around 930 or
1: so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I might stay up, you know, just due to anxiety or whatever reason, scrolling through whatever uh, Instagram or something. But but that's about when my brain starts shutting down from a functional standpoint. Uh, so good on you for manufacturing after, after 10. It's been seven, eight years, if I'm following your story, mm-hmm. right, that you've been roasting since yeah. that first time. Mm-hmm how has your coffee roasting style changed over the years? I mean, do you have a philosophy about what you're trying to do with those coffee beans?
1: Yeah. So I, when I started on the be more, you have very little control. The only thing you could really measure your coffee by, because the sensors aren't, aren't fantastic on that would be your time after first crack. So your listeners are probably intimately familiar with, with coffee and when uh, you roast coffee. What's happening is there's chemical reactions within the coffee and create the byproduct of CO2. And basically what's happening is the the water and the CO2, what's happening is it actually heats up and then actually causes this popping noise like popcorn. And we call that the first crack. Um, and what you can do on the beam more is you can judge your time from first crack to when you pull the coffee out or when you drop the coffee. So that was my one, my one judgment in there. It's like for how how long, because you can't really control temperature that well. And I know they just released a new one. So maybe they they've fixed that. But uh, that was my one thing. So I was like, okay, I can control time or what they say is development time now. So I started with that. And then as I started roasting on the Ambex, I found out, oh, you can roast on something other than just high heat because you have enough to play with. And so then I learned a lot from reading Scott Rao's books. Um, I took one of his introduction to roasting classes and he is a wealth of knowledge for roasters. And I wouldn't say everything is gospel from him, but it's something that you can take and set as a reference point, right? Um, Because I think even if, if anyone has you know, if anyone roasts and you give them the same profile, everyone will do it slightly differently, right? Because we all are individuals and we all have our, our own uh, vision for the coffee. But one thing that he, he taught me, and I've seen significant improvements in my coffee, um, would be keeping the rate of rise steadily declining. And the rate of rise is the temperature over time. You can mark that the the amount of degrees that the temperature rises over a period so it could be 30 seconds it could be 15 seconds it all depends on what your roasting software uses but by keeping that at a steady decline i've i actually found that the coffee became juicier it became sweeter it became more complex you had more to the coffee right than than before which was a very baked flat singular flavor which at the time was still great but you get better and you, you increase your, your production at, at that level. So the other, the other thing that I've learned is just by trying other amazing roasters and learning from them, trying their coffees side-by-side side with mine. And I know they're not the same farm. They're not the same region maybe, but just kind of getting the essence of the sweetness or the clarity. And so great roaster, like uh, steady state, like they are amazing. Love their stuff. Uh, Ironsmith lofty like uh, Little Giant, um, anyways, or Tired eyes. Um, just so many great roasters that you're able to try coffee. And as a, I still almost consider myself an amateur. I'm always learning. Um, even though I've been doing this for, for seven, eight years, it's, there's always something to learn. There's always a new challenge. There's always a new, the coffee presents a new side every time, right? Every time you get a new coffee, you have to create a specific profile to that coffee. And I think like, that's the thing It's just to bring out the flavor within the coffee that is inherent. Like I'm not trying to mask any flavors. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> just coincidentally this morning, I made a cup of steady States who you just mentioned space traveler uh, yes. to wake up with. And now I'm drinking a cup of your Ethiopia um, natural mm-hmm. and you had mentioned to me uh, before the show that this is one of your favorite coffees that you're putting out right now. And, and I'm wondering why that is. What is it about this particular coffee that you know, gets you excited or that stands out to you?
1: I am a sucker for Ethiopian naturals. Like I love the juicy fruit forward, berry notes. It's when I serve this to people that, you know, they think the best part of waking up is folders in your cup. When I serve, <laughs> when I serve this to them, they're like, did you give me coffee? Like, what is this? This tastes like fruit juice. Like, what is this? <laughs> and it's just so different that it's fun. It's like, no, this is coffee. This is what coffee can taste like. And it's just a, it's a complete left turn from what, what most people are, are seeing in coffee. And so I think it's just a fun thing to share that way because coffee is to be shared, right?
0: Coffee is to be shared. You know, my dad is, and I have mentioned him on the show before, he's a Folgers kind of guy. Uh, recently, he just upgraded to like a new version of Folgers he's really excited about. And when he visits, we make you know him a coffee, generally a French press style, and he mm-hmm. loves that, it, but it's just not something he wants to do on his own. And uh, so I've taken him to a few local coffee shops here, and it's really entertaining for someone who, and I'm, this is just a warning for anyone listening who's not a regular craft coffee drinker. Uh, sometimes the strength of a craft coffee might be a little more intense than the Folgers that you make at home, because usually after about the first cup of coffee, he gets real jittery. Uh, and it's because at home, he's not worried about ratios or, you know, how much what he's doing. So you, we were talking a little bit earlier about your beer collabs and how that kind of got you started. I did last night after dinner, uh, my wife and I drank this little daughter in the Grizzlies pastry stout coffee. Which lists maple syrup, chocolate, and vanilla in it as well. And it really was a dessert. I mean, it was, we, we both we split the one can and it was just lovely to, to enjoy. How is it different roasting for, a, roasting a bean that you know is going into a beer versus one that you know that someone's going to drink? Or is it different? Does it matter at all? Is there something that's, st- you know, something about that's, that process that of thinking about this is, I know the end product of this. It's not just you know someone's taste buds. It's going to be going for this purpose. How does that change things?
1: Definitely. So one thing that is I love about roasting for breweries is, well, oftentimes it's a big crossover, right? So you have a big, big fan of beer. They can typically, especially craft beer, they'll be a fan of craft coffee. And so what we'll do is like what we did for Mason specifically is we held a cupping where we where I brought out I think it was. 12 coffees that we tried and we basically set up the cupping. And for those of you that um, maybe are newer to coffee, it's similar. I'd like to compare it to a wine tasting for coffee where everyone gets to try a small, small sample of every, every coffee on the table. And then we looked at the ingredients for the beer. And um, so I, I brought the 12 coffees that I thought would, would be good for this particular style. And we, looked at the ingredients for the beer, looked at the tasting notes for the coffee. And then when we're fortunate enough to have some of the base beer around, we'll actually do a, uh, like we did this for Battle Mage, right? For their beer, Stark and Full of Terrors. Um, we took their their base beer and then we add a splash of each of the coffee to them. And it gives you kind of a little idea of of how it's going to blend together. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just trying to find flavor notes that complement each other. And when you can try it in the base beer, it makes it a lot easier, but... Yeah, it's sure. just trying a bunch of different stuff together.
0: <laughs> I know a lot of the listeners of this show also listen to Beer Night in San Diego. And so oh, yeah. as soon as I'm off with you, I'm going to reach out to those guys and tell them to get some of this for their, one of their, their upcoming shows if they haven't already.
1: Oh, that'd be awesome.
0: So we've talked a lot about just kind of your roasting and about Iverson Coffee. When you're just away from your own stuff, uh, it sounds like you're passionate about, about everyone's coffee, about the mm-hmm. coffee community in general. What are you looking for in your outside of work life? Like when you pull up randomly to some coffee shop on the road as you're driving through the desert, what is it that you're going to order? What is it that you're looking for?
1: So my my go to drink is an espresso with sparkling water. I just love the simplicity of that, and uh, it typically will give you a good feel. Um, if they have a single origin, I'll go for that, but it'll give you a good feel of of the shop in general and kind of see their roasting style and get a get to see. I think just the essence of what they're doing there in that simple drink, because then you can add milk, you can do all that stuff, but then maybe some coffees work better with milk, but I, I enjoy just having the straight, straight shot of espresso.
0: Sure. And I've never asked this to any other guest, So uh, you're a little bit of a guinea pig. <laughs> if you, you couldn't, you can't pick your own, but if you could only drink one other roasteries coffee for the rest of your life, it's steady your desert state. island. Co- steady state. It is. steady that was state. easy. You didn't even have That's to think easy. about it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Not even close. I, Elliot's,
0: <laughs> Elliot is a really impressive uh, coffee roaster. Yeah, and yeah. and the pace at which he went from like roasting on a small little one pound roaster like you did to where he's at now has been really uh, fun to, to watch. Fun
1: fact, Elliot and I both roasted on Ambex YM2s.
0: Very fun fact. Yeah,
1: yeah. Both Very had the cool. Ambex YM2s.
0: What is one tip that you might give to a listener who is just getting into coffee for the first time? We talked a little bit about your first coffee and, and I mentioned mine as well. Something that somebody who hasn't experienced craft coffee and all it has to offer, what would you suggest
1: to them? I would give this advice and it was given to me about drinking whiskey. The best way to drink whiskey, you know, because everyone has opinions, whether it's a drop of water on, on the rocks, neat, the best way to drink whiskey is the way you like it. And the best way to drink coffee is the way you like it. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't try things, but I would say, find something you like and that's okay. There's no wrong answers. There's no wrong way to drink specialty coffee. And so I would just say that, like, just drink it the way you like it. Give it a shot and find what you like. And that's great. Go for it.
0: And that mirrors truly the advice that uh, Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle gave to us, uh, gave to first time <laughs> drinkers in season one of the show. So that's, that's great to hear. <laughs> that's awesome. Anything else that I didn't ask you or that we didn't cover about Iverson coffee that you want listeners to know about?
1: I would say, I would say this no no one is an island right and especially with everything we've been going through with this pandemic and like you don't have to go it alone coffee is a community right and if you're looking to get into coffee if you're looking to start roasting if you're looking you know just to upgrade your homebrew setup you don't have to do it by yourself <laughs> there are thousands of people that are so pumped on coffee that they would love to share that experience with you. And I mean, just, you can shoot me a, shoot me a message on Instagram or anything. And like anyone wants to talk, talk roasting, like awesome. I'm happy to do it, but you don't, you can always get help. Like there's nothing wrong with, with getting help to learn. Like I actually just recently had uh, Tyler from tired eyes come out and help me learn a little bit more about the SF six. He's he's great. He's doing a consulting company. Uh, I believe it's Bright Black is the name of it, and he's helping out helping out roasters. And I know Elliot does the same thing. And I'm going to be sitting down with him soon to learn how to get better at sample roasting. I, I would just say like reach out to other people. Like you don't have to you don't have to go through this coffee journey alone, and uh, it's something to be shared. So. Uh,
0: In response to that, I would say that I don't know that anyone on this show has referenced John Donne, No Man is an Island Poetry, uh, Hmm. which is especially poignant because it's Poetry Month uh, as we are talking. I only have one last question for you. Uh, We mentioned it earlier. In your day job, you also work on a a fairly successful podcast. Are you regretting agreeing to come on this show, which I am producing from my
1: closet? (laughs) Never, never. (laughs) The best things start small. Uh, the best thing that. starts small. I mean, <laughs> you look at any any coffee roaster starting on a popcorn popper, right? Every, the good things start small and grow. And that's, that's what we hope for you.
0: Yeah, I, I hope for that for myself too. And I know that uh, the people listening have been enjoying uh, hearing from roasters like you. So thank you for coming on the Roast West Coast podcast, Danny. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you for having me, Ryan. Appreciate and it. And I
0: really appreciate this coffee you dropped off. Uh, I don't always, I don't expect that ever, but it's been really just enjoyable this morning.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you so much. You
0: bet. Have a great day. You too. If you need some quality local news in your life, check out the Voice of San Diego podcast. Made locally by investigative reporters and editors, Voice of San Diego's hosts give a spitfire roundup of the news every Friday afternoon. You can listen to the Voice of San Diego now, wherever you get your podcasts, including wherever you're listening to this one. We are back to the Roast West Coast Coffee podcast. What I learned from these interviews is that roasting coffee and drinking coffee is a continually evolving experience. Danny started in a dorm room with a small popcorn-popping-style roaster and over time graduated to a better one, and then a better one, and yet again to his dream roasting machine. Yet by his own words, he says that after 8 years roasting coffee, he still feels like an amateur, and he is still actively working to learn new skills and improve. That's probably why his coffee's so damn good. I'm going to link to the various roasters that Danny worked with on the column recapping this show on roastwestcoast.com, so be sure to check that out. I'm also going to reach out to Mason Aleworks to see if they can provide a sample can of Little Daughter and the Grizzlies, the imperial stout they made with Danny's coffee. But if I'm being entirely truthful, I think it is a request unlikely to be filled. Danny reached out after our interview to say he wanted to reward the listeners of this show with an exclusive promo. If you want to try some Iverson coffee, head to IversonCoffeeRoasters.com and use the promo code ROAST! to get 25% off the first order. That's ROAST with a capital R, lowercase O-A-S-T! Exclamation point. The selection on IversonCoffeeRoasters.com is always changing. I've had an Ethiopia, a Panama, and a Colombia And all three would probably land in my top 10 coffees of 2021 so far. And I drink a lot of coffee. I do know that coffee flavor preferences can be subjective. So I sent some of the coffee to local Citizen Coffee correspondent, Laura, for a second opinion. Laura, what did you think? They were great. Yeah, I could definitely see these as my go-to every morning coffee. There you have it. You can also follow at Iverson Coffee Roasters on Instagram. To see what new coffees are coming in day to day. And don't forget to use the promo code ROAST exclamation point on IversonCoffeeRoasters.com to get 25% off your first order. We have one vocab term for today's show. ROR, or rate of rise, came up in our interview. And Danny covered it, but I wanted to expand on the definition. Rate of rise is the speed at which the temperature of the beans is increasing during the roasting process. It's measured over a specific period of time, usually between 30 or 60 seconds. So if your ROR is 5 over 30 seconds, that means your bean temperature is increasing by five degrees every 30 seconds. A higher ROR means that your roast will be progressing faster and likely be shorter, but you also may not have as much control over the overall roast's flavor profile. A low ROR means risking not roasting fast enough and over-baking your beans, but when done right, we'll offer the roaster added precision, controlling the flavor coming out of the bean. Just to add to the difficulty of creating the perfect roast, the ROR could change during the roast itself. So, fun. I'm going to leave it to the experts like Danny. That's my show for today. On Friday, Sirius Simran Khalsa from Lofty Coffee will be back to get us coffee smarter by discussing the various vessels we brew coffee in, or drink coffee out of, and how their materials, be they plastic, glass, clay, or steel, impact our experience tasting flavors. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. If the stats are to be believed, there are more of you every single week, which means that some of you have been telling your friends. Thank you. That is the best way to help grow this show. Thank you, and if you're listening out there, enjoying this little show about coffee, please tell a friend and follow at roastwestcoast on Instagram. And tag me in the photos of your own coffee adventures. If you need some coffee, find a local coffee roaster or cafe to support. I just ordered coffees from some of this show's industry legacy partners, Zoombar Coffee and Tea, and Steady State to take out camping next week. Without them and the other roast industry legacy partners, Leap Coffee, Café La Terre, Coffee Cycle, First Light Whiskey, Cape Horn Coffee Brokers, and Moster Coffee, it would be a lot harder to bring you all of this coffee content. You'll find links to their online shops in this podcast episode's notes, or right on the front of roastwestcoast.com. Check it out. This episode of the Roast West Coast podcast has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And please, always be sure to drink good coffee. the first time I tasted blueberries in a coffee so did you really I thought you were just messing with me a little no bit. I wasn't messing with you and that was yeah it was exciting to try really good coffee beans because I have gifted beans before and beans that I hadn't tried and my friends were like, "Oh my gosh, I could taste the blueberries," and I was excited because no, literally, no joke. It was the first time <laughs> I tasted blueberries in a coffee, and they, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to put any of this in there, but um, I'm I'll on- put it in uh, at the end of the show.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, it'll be like the thing that plays after the like, the last <laughs> ad.
1: That'll be hilarious. <laughs>